Hello, 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 and welcome to the Cells and Circuits podcast. I am your host, Chibeze Anacor, and in this episode, we're going to be talking about the Google Pixel Buds 2, Inuyasha's sequel series, and Demon Slayer and the accessibility of Aniplex anime. And without further ado, let's jump right into it. So I'm just going to jump right into the Google Pixel Buds too. But before I do that, I'm going to talk about the original Google Pixel Buds for a little bit. So the original Google Pixel Buds came out in 2017 and to say the least, weren't as good as the ones I'm going to talk about in this episode. They had a fabric casing around them, and the earbuds themselves had a wire connecting to them, and it didn't have any ear tips, so you couldn't really get a good seal in your ear, and it was just a whole mess. And it was kind of embarrassing for Google, especially when Apple released the AirPods in the same year, (laughs) and... The original Pixel Buds looked kind of dated in comparison right out of the gate. So it was already not a good look for Google. And that brings us here two and a half years later with the Google Pixel Buds 2. And they are a way better product than the original. So I will talk about the design first. So the design of the Google Pixel Buds, it's very good. It has an egg-shaped design and it has the a little USB-C port at the bottom. It has a little LED indicator light towards the bottom of the top of the case to let you know that it's charging or to let you know that it's on and it's ready to pair. And then also, it also has, on the back, it has a little pairing button that you can use if you're not using an Android device. So if you're using an iOS device or a MacBook or a Windows computer or a Chromebook at the moment, then you will have to use that pairing button. But if you have an Android phone, you just open the case and it'll automatically detect your Pixel Buds, which is kind of nice. It gives it a little AirPods-like experience. So that's great to see. And as far as the earbuds themselves, they have this design where they have a little ear tip at at the base. And then they also have these little three magnetic pins inside of them, just so that They will snap into place when you try and put them back. All right. (laughs) What else can I say about these? Oh, it also has like a little arc tip at the back of the earbuds. And that can be a little bit uncomfortable after wearing it for like maybe an hour or so. Hopefully um, my ears just get used to it after a while, but we will see as time goes on. And so next thing I want to talk about is sound. How do these earbuds sound? Well, 
I'm happy to tell you they sound great. I'm surprised that the amount of bass that comes out of them, they actually have a pretty decent amount of bass. It won't blow you away, but it's a pretty decent amount of bass in there. And the highs and the mids are pretty good too. It's just an overall very pleasant sound experience if you're trying to listen to music or podcasts like this one. And it's it's just a really nice sounding pair of headphones. So I'm very glad that they sound good. Let's talk battery life now. So battery life, it's very average, I would say. I got maybe about three hours from the earbuds themselves. And then as far as charging them with the case, the case um, was able to charge them about three times over. And so I was able to get around 12-ish hours, which you know isn't the highest, but it'll do for these kinds of earbuds. It's not like I'm going to be listening to them for super long periods of time because I don't really have anywhere to go. So I think battery life is fine on these, honestly. And I mean, it could be better, but you know, it's, it's fine. Oh, I should mention that if you have adaptive sound turned on, your mileage may vary with these earbuds. They will drain your battery quicker. So just something to note right there. I didn't want to leave you all hanging. We also have the features of the earbuds. So the best thing that I could say about the Google Pixel Buds 2 is that it is just awesome to have the Google Assistant in your ear so you don't have to reach for your phone or your smartwatch or anything. You could just press and hold either earbud to talk to Google Assistant and ask it your question, which is pretty awesome. So as far as operating these earbuds go, it's tap once to pause, tap twice to skip track and tap three times to go to the previous track. Also, it's a swipe forward to increase the volume and slide backward to decrease the volume. So you have all those features that are pretty intuitive once you get used to it. And then lastly but not least, talk about what's in the box. So of course you have the earbuds case and the earbuds themselves. And then you also have some paperwork like the getting started guide and all of that. And then you also have the different size ear tips. I personally use the ones that were just installed on the earbuds out of the box. I didn't bother to change them and they fit very well in my ears. But of course, this will all depend on the size of your ears. So it's great to see that they included different sized ear tips. One last thing that they include in the box is the USB-C to USB-A cable because yes, there is a USB-C port on the earbuds case, which we love to see it. <laughs> so USB-C, all the things. I'm very happy to see the USB-C port. Oh, 
And I forgot to mention this in the features section. This also has wireless charging. So if you don't want to use the USB-C port to charge it, you can use a Qi wireless charger and that should work fine as well. And another thing I forgot to mention is that the price of the Google Pixel Buds 2 at the time of this recording is $180. And so yeah, that will do it. The Google Pixel Buds 2 are way better than the first. And I think if you have an Android phone, honestly, these are probably the earbuds to get. I'm finally glad to say that Android finally has its AirPods competitor. And these will be my daily driver earbuds. So yeah, I'm very excited to keep using these. These are awesome. I'll have a link to buy these at the Google store in the show notes. And yeah, that'll do it for this topic. Up next, we'll be talking about Inuyasha's sequel series, and then after that, we'll be talking about Demon Slayer and the accessibility of Aniplex anime. The Cells and Circuits podcast will return in a moment. This episode is sponsored by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free, so, I mean, doesn't get any cheaper than that. Second, there are creation tools that will allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. I'm editing this podcast from a Chromebook using the web, so it's pretty easy to do. Um, If I can do it, you can certainly do it. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so many more services. So you don't have to go to each individual podcast service and distribute it yourself. It automatically does that for you. So that's pretty awesome. Fourth, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So, I mean, it's a pretty good way to make some money. Um, And then last but not least, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app for iOS or Android or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started or download the app for iOS or Android today. Welcome back. And now we're going to talk about Inuyasha's sequel series. So for those of you who don't know, this past weekend, it was announced that Inuyasha will be getting a sequel series that's due out later this year. And it was also announced that Viz Media has the rights to it, so I will give a brief synopsis of the series, which is called Yashahime, Princess Half-Demon. So, the synopsis of Yashahime, according to Viz Media, is 
The daughters of Sashomaru and Inuyasha set out on a journey transcending time. In feudal Japan, half-demon twins Toa and Setsuna are separated from each other during a forest fire. While desperately searching for her younger sister, Toa wanders into a mysterious tunnel that sends her into present-day Japan, where she is found and raised by Kagome Higurashi's brother Sota and his family. Ten years later, the tunnel that connects the two eras has reopened, allowing Toa to be reunited with Setsuna, who is now a demon slayer working for Kohaku. But to Toa's shock, Setsuna appears to have lost all memories of her older sister. Joined by Moroha, the daughter of Inuyasha and Kagome, the three young women travel between the two eras on an adventure to regain their missing past. So, I mean, that sounds like a pretty interesting premise, and I'm looking forward to watching this show when it comes out. So, as I said earlier, it's currently slated for fall 2020. Now, we don't know if it's going to be affected by the COVID-19 pandemic, but we'll share that news when it comes in a future episode. So, next I want to get into the licensing situation in North America. So, as I mentioned earlier, Viz Media, the licensor of pretty much everything Inuyasha here in North America, has also gained the rights to Yashihime. And so that's great to see. Hopefully, they will have an English dub because the rights that they have according to Anime News Network, are digital streaming, EST, which is electronic sell-through, so that will include places like iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, and sites like those. So you have that, and then you also have the home video rights. So Viz Media, again, has the digital streaming electronic sell-through and home video rights for North and Latin America, which is a good thing. But one thing that they didn't mention was the broadcast rights, because normally when companies make announcements like this, they will include the broadcast rights. I don't know. Maybe the broadcast rights are included in any of the three types of rights that I just said that Viz Media has, but I don't know at the moment. We'll keep posted. But the reason why the broadcast rights are a very interesting topic for this series is because there is one broadcaster that is synonymous with Inuyasha here in North America, or at least in the United States. And of course, I'm talking about Adult Swim. And so Adult Swim originally aired in Uyasha in 2002 and aired pretty much almost everything in Uyasha related up until 2015. The first run of Inuyasha concluded in 2007 on Adult Swim Action, 
And then the final act was also picked up by Adult Swim Action's successor, Toonami, in 2014. And basically that tied together all of Inuyasha's episodes onto one network here in the U.S. So Adult Swim has pretty much aired everything Inuyasha-related here. And so now that brings us to Yashihime and why the broadcast rights were excluded from the press release of Yashihime. And I thought that was a very curious thing to explore because who knows, maybe Viz Media still has the broadcasting rights. Maybe they haven't sold it to anyone yet. Or it's possible that maybe someone does have the broadcast rights to Yashihime and just hasn't said anything about it. And if the latter is the case, then I hope that Adult Swim is that broadcaster because it would feel wrong for anything Inuyasha related to air anywhere else. And so I'm hoping that Adult Swim will air it on Toonami here in the US, but we shall wait and see on that. And yeah, that will do it for this topic. Hope you enjoyed and we will see you in the next one. Up next, we'll be talking about Demon Slayer and the accessibility of Aniplex anime. The Cells and Circuits podcast will be right back. Welcome back, and it's time to talk about Demon Slayer and the accessibility of Aniplex anime. And so, for those of you who don't know, Aniplex of America and Funimation have collaborated to release Demon Slayer on Blu-ray here in the U.S. and possibly in Canada as well. But the reason why it's so significant is that this is an Aniplex title that will, for the first time, be accessible to many more anime fans than previous Aniplex titles have been, and I'll explain that later. But first, let's talk about Aniplex's reputation and how that plays into it. So, Aniplex of America doesn't have a very good reputation in North America because of their home video prices. And so, Aniplex of America only targets the anime collectors with their limited editions, and that's all they produce is limited edition Blu-rays for their anime. And because of that, they have to price it pretty high because there's so little in supply. And because of that, not a lot of people get to own Aniplex titles on Blu-ray because the prices are just so high. And so Aniplex definitely does get a bad rap from people who actually want to own their anime here in the U.S. But I should give Aniplex credit where credit is due because to offset that, Aniplex has 
made their titles pretty widely available on streaming services so you can find their titles on netflix hulu crunchyroll and most recently funimation now and so they try to keep their titles pretty available so that people don't forget that Aniplex and their titles exist. And so now we can talk about how Aniplex and its parent company are trying to appeal to more customers. So Aniplex is owned by Sony and Sony Pictures had acquired Funimation in 2017 and so ever since that acquisition has happened Funimation and Aniplex have been working together and because of that we now see a lot of Aniplex titles on Funimation now and we also see a lot of collaboration between them on the theatrical front so Funimation has distributed Aniplex's movies in theaters because Funimation's distribution network into theaters is much bigger than Aniplex's just because of the size of the company. And now it's all culminated to this moment where for the first time they're collaborating on a Blu-ray release of an Aniplex title. And so the reason why this partnership is so significant is because now people will be able to own an Aniplex title that couldn't have owned it before because Funimation, which Sony acquired in 2017, has been known for providing Blu-rays and home video in general at much cheaper costs than Aniplex, like probably half the price or maybe even less than half the price of Aniplex Blu-rays and DVDs. And so by lowering the entry price to Demon Slayer Blu-rays, that automatically widens the audience of people who can actually buy Demon Slayer on Blu-ray rather than just the people who can only get limited editions. Now, with Aniplex producing the limited edition and Funimation producing the standard edition, which is the more affordable Blu-rays, so many people can now own Demon Slayer on Blu-ray. And this is pretty significant because if it's successful, then... It may prompt Aniplex to do this with future titles that Aniplex will be releasing, but also to go back into Aniplex's back catalog and put back in print those anime series that never got a affordable Blu-ray release. And I think that that's a pretty good thing for every anime fan who really likes physical media, it's a win for the consumer. And I think that Sony's corporate synergy between Funimation and Aniplex has really resulted in a good thing here. And that's something to celebrate. And so hopefully, maybe if you want to buy the Aniplex version of 
the Demon Slayer Blu-ray or the Funimation version of the Demon Slayer Blu-rays. Those will be coming out later this year. I will, of course, keep you posted on when those come out. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And also, thank you for staying safe and staying at home and following the CDC and WHO guidelines. Also, if you have any questions or if you have any comments about the subjects that were talked about in this episode, let us know on our social media. We'll have links to that in the show notes. Thank you for listening once again. I am Chibeze Anakor, your host, signing off.